So I want to get our brains thinking on this idea of seasons for a minute. Um, when you read the scriptures, the, the Bible talks in season language quite a bit. And uh, probably one of the most well-known passages of scripture outside of those who normally read the Bible uh, might be from Ecclesiastes 3. And thanks to the band The Birds, which some of you grew up listening to, some of us, that's considered oldies. But Ecclesiastes 3, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Move on to the New Testament and you have Paul writing to young Timothy and he says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Jesus let us know that the kingdom, uh, there's, there's kingdom wisdom to glean just by observing the, the, uh, the seasons and some things in nature. Listen to just one short parable from Mark 4. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces itself. First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain of ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts the sickle, he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. He just described kind of a, a, a cyclical season. Here's what I want us to do. I want to consider how our physical world relates to and communicates so much of our inner world. And we're gonna, we're gonna be sort of heading into a season that's gonna look at how those two things tie together. Let me give you three thoughts to just kind of noodle on here as we gonna, we're gonna keep singing here before I sort of launch into, uh, the full sermon. But number one is this, that seasons come and go. And I'm gonna state really, really obvious things, but I want you to make the tie to your inner world as well. Seasons come and go. There's a hint to this. And that is that seasons don't stay. Whether you realize it or not, or think about it or not, I know you realize it, and that is this. Seasons aren't up to you. When seasons come and when they end, that's not on your timing. You don't get to choose that. You just get to experience and live it. That's called being a human being. We also don't determine the intensity of the heat the length of the storm we might be going through, or the number of, of daylight hours that we have. We just receive those and respond to them. We can predict, we can plan accordingly, but we're not in control. Finally, on this idea of seasons coming and going is this, that seasons are no respecter of age, of gender, of zip code, of your bank account. Seasons uh, just happen to, to everyone, one and all. I was thinking about the mudslide storm that happened in a very wealthy section of Southern California where a lot of, uh, you know, sort of social uppities have homes and had a lot of money. And guess what? They experience some of the same stuff that everyone does. Here's the second thing is that seasons share characteristics. So here's the hint. Recognize and name seasons. And I'm not talking about our outer world, but our inner world. Your outer world is seasonal. I'm stating something that is like the most painfully obvious truth known to all people, but I'm saying that so that we will pay attention to our inner world because they're also seasonal. If you read music and you're observant, you may have noticed on your title slide on the, on the cover of the bulletin this morning, um, these little symbols. And if you read music, you know what these symbols mean. They mean what? 
repeat. Yeah, so if you're reading music and you come along and you see a little, a little symbol like that on the right, you say, oh, I'm supposed to repeat something, and you go back to the other bracket, and that's where you start over again. Seasons are cyclical, right? They come and they go, and then they come around again. And even though they're a little bit different, what we realize is this, that God composes life in cycles and repeats. There is a rhythm to our physical world. There's an ebb and a flow. So it is for your soul. So it is for our hearts, the part we don't see, the part that isn't readily obvious to us because of temperature or, or uh, measurable things like that. Here's the question for you. Do you know what season your soul is in right now? Are you even paying attention to that? Do you even have names and categories that you sort of think in these terms? Or does it feel like all of a sudden it's just stormy again and you're not, you haven't really paid attention, you haven't really planned or predicted for that? Have you made preparations? If, you, if you're in this season of the soul and you, you just kind of track your inner life, you go, man, I know after this season, I tend toward doing this or I tend toward these kinds of responses. Are you making preparations for that? Finally, each season has different hurdles and different opportunities. And here's the hint that we capitalize on the season we're in. We don't just try to survive the season that we are in. So each season has its suitable tasks, its required duties, and its necessary constraints. What if you recognize the season that your soul is in, and then you matched your schedule, your activities around that, and you actually thought about that? Here's an illustration. Yesterday, the Carlson family got out of Dodge. You know why? Because it was supposed to be really, really hot here in San Jose. And we're sort of spontaneous people, which sometimes means procrastinators. Sometimes it means we're fun and spontaneous. Yesterday was probably a combo of both. We knew it was going to be hot. And so we thought, you know what? We're going to go to a place where there's, uh, according to my phone, there was going to be cooler air. We know there's really cold water and this massive pool that holds our whole family called the Pacific Ocean. So we went to Santa Cruz. And, uh, and we made preparations. We, we, we allowed our activity, our schedule to change because of a predictor called mid-90s and San Jose and a house fan. House fans are great in the early morning and late evening, but not in the middle of the day, sucking in hot air to your house, right? So, so we did that and we made preparations. What I want to do with us as a church is to think deeply about where we are. Here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to tell you what season you're in. That's ridiculous. I hope to say some things. I hope to turn our attention uh, to, to this book of songs right in the middle of our Bible that would stir our hearts and allow us to maybe make some adjustments. We're going to take four weeks to go through the four seasons, and then we're going to kind of conclude with some specific sort of activities that would surround each season. Let me just tell you sort of a series tone before we get to some more singing. One is this. We are moving into art and poetry, and art and poetry um, couldn't contrast more with the book of Romans that we just left. What it means is, as we move into that, it's hard for some Western Christians who, who really elevate the cerebral and knowledge and study, and they find suspect the emotions. They find suspect uh, mystical wonder that they can't really quantify. Uh, we are carving out room for wonder in this series. What that means is, some of you will drink this in like a breath of fresh 
water. In fact, your bulletin handout this morning uh, is representative of how we're going to do this series. You'll notice there's tons and tons of white space. No blanks to fill in. I didn't miss anything. There's no checklist. And again, this is, this is what I want to do. We're not listening to a song and counting beats per minute. We're just listening to a song with our pencils down and maybe our, our eyes closed and just receiving and experiencing. In fact, experience and ponder is the name of the game these next several weeks rather than study and dissect. If you love to study and dissect, then experience and ponder while you're here with us on Sunday mornings and use another part of your week to dive into these psalms a little bit more and study and dissect. I want you to pay attention to what stirs you, sort of what you're feeling as you sing songs, what you're feeling as we go through some spiritual exercise, what you're feeling as you hear these psalms read out loud. For some of you, this is easy. You check in with us all the time. For some of you, you're already giving me blank stutters going, I don't know what that even means. We're going we're gonna to discover that together. We're laying down some, some rigorous study work, and with that is even some of the tools that accompany that, word studies and commentaries and, and, and some of that. And again, what we're doing is we're, we're flipping open our Bible and we're just reading for the pure pleasure of it and intentionally enjoying God in, in a different way, perhaps. Now, let me just say this right up front. If you are a farmer or an amateur hipster gardener, or a incessant fact checker about seasons. Um, let me say up front, hear this. I am a kid who grew up in suburban San Jose, okay? So flashing at the bottom of the screen right now is actual gardening may vary, right? Seasonal activities may vary. This is not a time to say, Dave, actually you plant right in that, you know, don't tell me that. I, that that's, you're, you're missing the metaphor, okay? So you can come and inform me of, of, you know, of some ideas on that, but actual gardening may vary. Uh, one of the things, too, some people come and tell me, I've lived here most of my life. I lived in Colorado for 10 months. Otherwise, I'm here. And people from all over the country say, Dave, we don't really have seasons here. The obvious answer is, you're wrong. Of course we do. Uh, we have seasons that people pay a great deal of money to come and experience. They're reasonable, okay? We are saltwater fish where the temperature we can live in in Northern California is a range of this. So we have our four seasons. They're beautiful and wonderful, and there's huge variety for someone who grew up here. I get it that some of you are like, yeah, that's not really a storm. Okay, fine. Take your storm. I'll visit your storm. I like our storms in Northern California. So, so let's, let's lay that down as well. Here's what I pray. I pray that as we read these Psalms, I pray it what's your appetite. Many of you have been Christians for a lot longer than I have. And you've known the joy of just, um, of studying rigorously and having, you know, having some systematicness to your reading, but also just the joy of popping open a Psalm and just saying, God, I just want to receive from you. What, what song do you have for me today? And, and just reading that and, and letting it speak to you in the moment. I pray that what we do here whets your appetite. One final feature, I'm not sure that we're going to do this every single Sunday, but here's a couple thoughts. One is, um, Rob and I were discussing, it'd be fun to have, quite intentionally, as we look at some ancient, ancient, ancient songs called the Psalms, that we would also look at, quite intentionally, some, some not ancient songs, but old songs. 
We tend to do hymns in here almost every week, but we're going to intentionally, over the next five, six weeks, we're going to intentionally do a hymn, uh, and we're going to actually introduce you to some of the hymns we don't do yet. And these are songs that are old, meaning a couple hundred years, a hundred years, 500 years, and we're going to sing those together, recognizing that Christians have been singing these uh, for quite some time. And then one other feature is this. As we worship together, worship is about more than singing. It's about more than psalms, but doing a series in psalms leads us this way. As we worship together, we want to grow in worship together. So it's not just that we keep worshiping together over and over, but that we speak into it and say, let's, let's grow in that. And here's what I want to challenge everyone in the room with this morning. I want to challenge you on these next two songs. One is a, an old hymn that you'll probably know. One is a familiar song that we sing in here all the time. That you sing out loud. That is that you push air past your vocal cords and you find yourself actually singing and participating. Now I get it. I go to concerts and people think I'm not enjoying myself because I'm nodding my head and I'm bebopping. I might even be sitting down when everyone else is jumping around. That's just my personality. I get that some of you are very involved in worship, even though nothing is coming out of your mouth. You're just there and you're, you're enjoying worshiping God together. I want to challenge you to actually sing and I want you to do so in a loud way. Let me, let me just give you, I've got some scripture for you on this one. Uh, Psalm 47, ready? Clap your hands, all peoples. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. For the Lord, the Most High, is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. Are you getting the message? For God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Psalm 33.3 says this, Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully on the strings with loud shouts. Psalm 98.4 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord. All the earth break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Did you know that if your singing sounds like noise, as long as it's joyful, that's biblical. So belt it out. Let me tell you something the band intentionally thinks about. We already witnessed it this morning. And by the way, you guys are already on a roll because I noticed you singing first first couple songs. Good job. The band intentionally plays songs in a way that just provides a a safe space to belt out your songs and, and join in. One time during this last song, Rob just backed off the microphone and we sang, what line was it, the bridge of... There is no one like our God. And so he backed off and we got to hear one another on a much more loud level. But then he came back in. There's even an ebb and flow and rhyme and reason to all of that. I want our church, I want it to be that we are just comfortable belting it. And if you want to try and follow Rob when he does the octave on the third verse, go for it. There's no judgment here. Belt it out. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Can we do that? So on these next two songs, whether this pushes you out of your comfort zone or not, I don't really care. Be biblical. Make noise come out of your mouth and sing to God. Listen, take your Bible and open it roughly to the middle. We're going to be in the Psalms for these next several weeks, and we'll be kind of popping around and not reading entire Psalms all at once necessarily, but jumping around. So have your Bible there and ready. 
Uh, summertime. I want you, there's going to be a little bit of participation here going on, so I want you thinking about summertime, what you love about uh, summertime and, and all of that. I, I sort of just want to get you started with a few thoughts. Think about the idea of carefree, lots of sunshine, warm summer nights, right? Uh, sleeping in. Or for some of you morning people, getting up early. I'm not sure. Uh, one of the two. Um, noticing and appreciating shade in a different way. Rediscovering the simple brilliance of a hammock. Just laying on a, in a hammock and just going, yes, this feels right. And then maybe drinking a Slurpee for no reason. So to kind of get us going in that way, I have two lovely assistants. Anyone want a Slurpee? Anyone? Okay, if it's in it, right over here, Myla, give, give Caleb one. If you're a kid, you have to check in with your parents because I don't pay your dental bills. Uh, your, your parents do. My kid's raising her hand, so... My other lovely assistant, my daughter, is going to hand it to Cassie. She's going to get it. There are four straws coming with each Slurpee. So we're a community here. If you don't find this gross, you can share, all right? So there's going to be a few of you with either brain freeze or hyperactivity with great answers. I'm not sure which. But I love, Caleb, that you're drinking a Slurpee in church. That's cool. I, he, we will. He's like, dreams do come true. Okay, let's talk about music for a second. When I think, when you think of summer and music happening, give me some feedback of what comes to mind with, with music and summer. What? Concerts in the park. Yes, absolutely. What else? The Beach Boys. The Beach Boys. Yeah, you pull out some songs that are very specific, right? What else? Street musicians, absolutely. By the way, music just makes people happy. Beck and I were in downtown uh, Las Gatas on Friday night, and we went and sat down. There were three high schoolers sitting there playing a bass saxophone, a jazz guitar, and a little snare drum just set up right there. By the way, if you play those three instruments, there was crazy good money in this. I don't think they were doing it necessarily for the money, but people are loaded in Las Gatas. They were chucking money in left and right. Uh, we were a little bit cheap. We did clap. We clapped on every song, but they were just playing music, and my wife and I actually observed... Some young girls were walking by, little girls, and as they hit the music, they started skipping. Uh, we noticed another couple, like music just makes people happy. We sat there and just watched it unfold. It's sort of magical the way music is. Anything else about music? Summer? Yeah, on, on the boardwalk. Yeah, absolutely, right. They bring back people who've been through several rehabs uh, and had several hits, and they put them on stage, and we watch them and enjoy sort of nostalgia. Totally, that's right. That's a great, that's a great point. Uh, some of you make summer playlists, and you have road trip playlists, and, and there's all these things that sort of like, oh, I can pull out my, my summer songs. How about that song that, that you really loved, even if you didn't admit it like externally, um, until you heard it like 890 times in an eight-week span? And now now you hate the song. Every time it comes on, you actually like convulse a tiny bit because you just can't stand that song. Every summer seems to have some of those, and, and that's, that's just sort of part of it. How about food? What food comes to mind when you think summer? I'll start you off. Barbecue. Okay, hot dogs. What else? Ice cream. Eli, what do you got? Hamburgers. Yeah, now we're getting hungry. How about cherries? Watermelon. That was on my list. Anyone love cherries? I mean, summertime fruit, right? Peaches and strawberries and just like juice rolling down your face and you don't really even care, right? Just awesome stuff. How about activities? What kind of activities come to mind when you think of summer? Yeah. I love it. What Beach, what else? Swimming. Swimming, what else? Camping. Cornhole, yes. I saw a spike ball at the beach yesterday. What else? Baseball, yes. For those who love to torture themselves. You sit through nine at least innings of baseball. No, I'm kidding. I know it's the America's pastime. Sorry. Awesome. 
What else? Climbing trees. Climbing trees. How about this? Anyone, anyone planning a road trip this summer? Okay, we got it. We got a couple. Yeah, road trips are, are for summer. Describe for me weather really quick. What's, what's the weather like in summer? Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Hot. What else? Sticky. Sticky. Humid. Yeah, some of you grew up in different parts of the country. Sunny, right? Long hours of daylight. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So if you take Psalms in its totality, what you see is this. You see that praise of God is the theme of the Psalms. That's what the whole thing's about. If you read Psalm 1 and you go all the way to Psalm 150, you just, you just see that theme emerge from it. And here's what you see. You'll see that worship is never out of season. That God wants us, expects us, and wants it, and, and, and commands us, teaches us for our own good and for His glory to worship no matter what the season. But isn't it true that the season of your soul sort of flavors and paints your worship? It does. And so summertime sort of, sort of like leans or tilts our worship a certain way. And, and by the way, some of you will really struggle with this. I know because I'm friends with you. But we're not necessarily talking about June 1st right now. Right? We're not talking about the calendar summer. It just so happens this week I'm talking about summer as we launch into summer and God ordered up an almost 90 degree day. Perfect. Like that's a great illustration. But next week we're going to fall. Okay? So we're, we're, we're not going to line up each week. This is the only week that lines up with actual summer. What I'm talking about is your inner world. What I'm talking about is the season of the heart. And when your season of the heart is summertime, it, 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 it finds expression to worship in different ways than in other seasons. Let me suggest, and by the way, what I did for this sermon is doable by every Christian anytime. And that is, I just was looking at what are some of the themes that I think about when I think of summer and, and why, how it makes me feel and why I love it so much and why we have you know, movies like Endless Summer and, and just, just that whole vibe and what emerges from it and then to go and find psalms. What I'm going to do is give you a tiny blip of a condensed list that I found. It was so enriching to sit there and just keep thinking on these themes that were for my own pleasure and, and nurture, but you can do that as, as well. Here's some, here's some possible reasons why we love summer so much, okay? And I'm going to sort of put some psalms around it. One is that it's the season of play. School is out. We might, if we have, if you have kids in the family still, or, or in the home, um, then, then you might carve out work time and say, we're going to take actual vacation time. We're going to go visit family. We're going to go carve out time for this. Another thing is rest. That summer finds ourselves at rest. And thirdly is... Um, especially here in Northern California where it's not just insane to go outdoors, nature, is that we get to stop and look at nature and look at creation. So let me do this. Um, there is nothing to fill out. So if you want to just draw pictures of the Slurpee you're not drinking or of a hammock or whatever comes to mind, feel free. You can do that. Uh, there's a generous spirit in this room today. But number one is just praise at play. Let me have you look at with me Psalm 95. And Psalm 95 is just one example 
of just this overabundance of joy that the psalmist is communicating. And when your heart is in summer and you come across this psalm and you read it, your heart's just going, yes, yes, and you're just agreeing with it because it lines up with where you are. Look at the profuse exuberance of Psalm 95, starting in verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are also his. The sea is his, for he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. Summer of the heart finds us thrilled with a big, expansive God. We want to celebrate this with other people. In fact, that's part of the nature of praise, is part of our own enjoyment of something, is calling it out and then bringing others so that they can see the joy in it as well. We, it's like, it's like our, our enjoyment of God actually finds its completion when we have someone else enjoying it. The classic example is Gria with scrambles. Remember that? So Gria loves scrambles. It's not enough for Gria to go and eat at scrambles. He has to be a scrambles evangelist and say, come enjoy scrambles with me. It's so good. And when we sit together with Gria at scrambles, then there's like, there's like a completion of his joy of scrambles. That's how it is praising God. It's not enough just for us to want to praise God. Look at the language of this psalm. It's us and our. It's collective. That's why coming together on a Sunday morning and being with God's people does something you can't do on your own. What we just did, didn't it feel good to have words coming out of your mouth and your vocal cords being vibrated? It's participating in worship with our body, not just in our mind. And it's true that if every single person in this church is singing, we sound different than if only a handful of us who normally sing out loud uh, sound. What a beautiful picture of the body of Christ. That if every gift that the Spirit has gifted this church with is functioning and flourishing, we are collectively as a church all that God wants us to be and and we're as effective and as joyful and as exuberant as He wants us to be. And if some of us are missing, if we're physically here but our gifts aren't being expressed, then we're less than we could be. So summer finds us with us and our language. That's why people gather for barbecues. Hey, come on over for a pool party. Yesterday, we just spontaneously asked, uh, you know, a family, hey, come join us to the beach because it's just more fun. Like it's a party to have other people with us. But not only is God's otherness celebrated, also his intimacy is a source of praise. Look at verse 6. It says, oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Summertime in our household is filled with boundless energy and exhaustion of the very best kind. And it kind of runs on this cycle. We just go Go and go and go, and then we find ourselves totally beat. Some of you will go. In fact, I saw John Garza post uh, for the the death ride. That's a bike ride up five mountain peaks up in Markleyville, you know, at high elevation in really 
bad heat. I think they actually literally changed the name of the death ride because someone died on the ride and it lost sort of its punch. I mean, it was too close to home. That is fun for some people, right? To go and just, just kill yourself that. But those of you who work out, isn't that a great feeling? Like when, when you go to the very top on that hike and you're like, let's just do it. And, and you push yourself. There's a, there's a great exhaustion that sort of comes over that. And there's sort of this restfulness that, that, um, you know, that, that sort of accompanies that, that feels way unlike if you didn't push yourself so far. And when we look at God in summertime, we see his big otherness, his expansiveness, his far awayness. And that actually informs how powerful it is. That is, the David Crowder song says, sometimes God is closer than our skin. And we just have these intimate moments. And we go, God, we're the people of your, of your pasture. You're our shepherd. And we get to come in and refer to you in, in intimate terms. Again, what's powerful about the summer season is it finds your soul doing things that may be against your normal nature. Maybe normally crying babies annoys you or doesn't even register, like little cooing babies doesn't even register on your radar. But when your soul is in summer, you find new life of a human being just precious. And you just, you just find yourself going, what a great sound that is. When you meet your family at a restaurant or back home after work or whatever, even though they're incredibly familiar to you, in, in the summer of your heart, you just go, what a delight to see my wife, my husband, my children, my friend, my roommate, my workmate. When you come to, to church and you worship, you just find the greetings really sincere and, and, and you want to give greeting and, and, you, and you walk away on cloud nine every week. You just go, wow, that just hits me right where I am. Your soul and heart are receptive to God in a different way when you're having a summer of the heart season. And here's what's more. You find yourself going, why doesn't everyone want to get in on this? Look at verse 8 that we read. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That's what summer finds it. We just go, there's so much joy in this. Don't harden your hearts. This. Hey, you stranger, come here. I want to talk to you about this. Do you know the God of the universe, that, that he's also our shepherd? You know, it's interesting. Go back to those of you who are Christians. Go back to when you first made a decision to follow Christ and you got this understanding of pardon from your sin. You got this understanding of purity from, from all of your yuckiness. You got an understanding of a God that loves you and is steadfast in it and shows it by awesome deeds. We all sort of start off our, our walk with Christ in summertime. It's sort of a foretaste of the kingdom. Here's what we do a disservice to a new Christian. Is if a new Christian believes it will always be summertime. Some of you remember your first fall. Your first winter. And you go, wait a minute, all of a sudden I'm reading like I was reading before. Where are you, God? All of a sudden, no one's friendly at church. All of a sudden, none of this rings true at all. There's seasons of the soul, and we ought to pay attention to that. The bonus psalm, I'm going to do this one. I'm not sure that we're going to get to all the bonus psalms today, but this one's too good to pass up. Just, just listen to the summertime sound of Psalm 150. This is how the book of Psalms closes. Praise the Lord. 
Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty heavens. Praise Him for His mighty deeds. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with trumpet sound. Praise Him with lute and harp. Praise Him with tambourine and dance. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with sounding cymbals. Praise Him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's a summertime psalm if there ever was one. And that's how it ends with this resounding thing. Okay. Play praise is one variety of sort of this summer fruit of the soul. Here's the second one. Praise at rest. Summertime, hopefully, will find you at some point at rest. Now, there's different kinds of rest. Some of you will be rest, uh, resting because it's too hot to do much else. Some of you grew up in other places. You're like, it's never too hot to do nothing here. We're in Northern California. I get it. Here's what's interesting about praise at rest. Is that even when we walk through the shadows... And the dark times, when it's summertime of the soul, we find ourselves, even in the midst of shadows, utterly confident that God hears us, utterly confident that God's going to get us through this. I want to show you a psalm, Psalm 27 is where you can turn to next. In Psalm 27, I think circumstantially, We could all agree he's going through a winter storm. But listen to the words of Psalm 27. When your soul is in summer, even if your circumstances around you are raging, here's what what happens. Watch this. Your complaining heart turns to utter confidence. We're going to get to some complaining psalms. The Bible gives voice to griping to complaining, to just pouring your heart out. But there's no complaining here. There's confidence, even though his external world is going off the storm. Watch, and you'll see what I mean. Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh... My adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For He will... For he will hide me in the shelter of the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And then skipping down to verse 14, he says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Again, not all rest is equal. Some rest is is Sabbath rest. That is, it's Sunday. We're going to lay down our job title. We're going to we're going to take our to do list. It may not be done, but we're going to set it aside. We're going to we're going to Sabbath. We're going to rest. We're going to carve out time and just be sons and daughters of the Most High King. But there's other kinds of rest right in the very midst of the storm, where it's not laying on a hammock, sipping iced tea, and reading your favorite book. It's a different kind of rest right in the midst of chaos going on around you. It's carefree confidence, not because there's no cares. Listen listen to Jesus 
as he forecasts, to sort of keep in the weather theme, as he forecasts about troubles and cares in this world. He says, why worry about troubles for tomorrow? Today has enough trouble of its own. In that one short little pithy teaching, here's what he's predicting. The forecast is trouble tomorrow, (laughs) trouble today. Here's the application. Don't live to avoid trouble. Don't live your life to outrun trouble and cares in this fallen world. It's not going to happen. The great disappointment of people who toil and strive and work and they end up in Florida and they retire and they play golf and they have the heat. They sort of have the in the summer and it's disappointing. They go, man, I worked all this time to avoid trouble. And guess what? There's trouble in Florida. So don't live your life to avoid trouble. Instead, you can actually have summertime of the soul right in the midst of your worries and your woes. This guy has evildoers, adversaries, foes, a whole army, and a war on his mind. Puts in perspective your troubles, right? Some of us are a little stressed out this morning. No one's trying to eat your flesh or start a war with you. He has all this going on, and yet summer of the soul doesn't prevent him from going into complaining, doesn't prevent him from going inward. Instead, he says, I'm going to hide myself. God, you're my covering. I'm confident. The one that's going to fall in the end, it's my foes. It's not me. He has this utter confidence in the Lord. Switchfoot has a line in a song. It says, the shadow proves the sunshine. When it's summertime of the soul and you're walking through the shadow of death, there's a confidence that you can have even in the midst of that that says, I know that there's a hope on the other end of this. We're not going to take time to look at it, but the bonus psalm here is Psalm 17, specifically verses 6 to 9. Read it on your own time. There's a third kind of abundant praise in the psalms, and it's praise in nature. Now let me make something really, really clear because people get this wrong. Throughout the centuries, people have praised the creation instead of the creator. And we look at that and say, how pagan of people. How utterly primitive to worship the sun or worship the seasons. But let me just contextualize a little bit. Would you say that a struggle in the Silicon Valley is to idolize and maybe even worship stuff, material things. Okay, Is that not the same thing then of worshiping the gift and making that an ultimate thing instead of the giver of the gift, right? So before we pass judgment on someone who's bowing down to the great mountain god that is exploding lava right now in Hawaii and saying how primitive, we ought to look inward and just say, have I made my career, have I made my car, have I made my second house, or whatever it is, an ultimate thing. Is that what I'm sacrificing for, finding comfort in, finding joy in? So it's praise in nature, not praising nature itself. Summer is just a giving season, abundant giving. Uh, Caleb, hold up your Slurpee for a second. Look at the size of this thing. Did you know they make Slurpees that big? Look at that. Yeah. And and so 
when, when, when you go, you know, when, when you're in summertime, again, you, you just have this, this sort of abundance coming out. And what I love about the Psalms is, even the ones we've already read, there's repetition to it. Praise, sing praise, da da da, da. sing praise, da da, da da da, sing praise. Like it just, it's just like yes, and it sort of matches this idea of of summertime. I'm not sure who said this. I, I usually like to give credit, but I didn't say it. It's just brilliant. Reflect on the God of nature to see God's nature. Reflect on the God of nature to see God's nature. We just sang about this in Wonderful Maker. But notice in creation, the overabundant, variety-loving, beauty-creating, and yet functional God that we serve. Here's Psalm 1. uh, uh, Now let me go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8. It says this, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Verse 3, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I pray that this actual season of summer finds you in nature. And I hope as you're there, you're soaking in some of this. By the way, kind of a cool little thing that I found in Psalm 8 here is this. We just looked at the gospel really detailed laid out in, in the book of Romans. We took a long time going through it because it's really detailed. But right here in this psalm is sort of the, the, the big themes of Romans. Ready? Ruin. He says, what is man that you're mindful of him? There's, a, there's an understanding that, that I'm, I'm ruined. How about redemption? It says, yet you have crowned man with glory and with honor. And then remember the last part of Romans is that out of this new relationship, there's a responsibility. Do you see the responsibility here? You've given us a job to do. You've put us in dominion of all the creatures and to, to care for this planet and to get after it. Again, bonus psalm, it's on the screen. Psalm 65, which I'm not going to take time to read, is one to jot down and begin to meditate on. Let me wrap this up by saying this. I said earlier that seasons have characteristics. So how is it that we can name and recognize the season that we're in so that maybe we could maximize that season and not find ourselves working against the season that our soul is in? The very first thing is to actually take note of it. Jesus gives some, uh, some really strong warning and calls this out. How foolish it would be to go through life and think about how much small talk goes on in our day and week. How foolish it is to talk about sort of the weather, the cycles of the seasons, the cycles of the stock market, the cycles of our activities. All external, natural, earth type things while ignoring inner realities. One is temporal and is passing away. The other is eternal. And going to be here forever. Jesus calls us out. Listen to Luke 12, where he says this Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see the clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you're right. 
When you see the south, when the south wind blows, you say, today will be a scorcher, and it is. You fools, you know how to interpret the weather signs of the earth and sky, but you don't know how to interpret the present times. I mean, consider the magnitude of who is standing before those, that specific crowd saying that. They're missing God in their midst. Why? Because they're focused on their weather app and what the weather's going to be on Tuesday next week. So it's not stop paying attention to earth. It's pay attention to earth and see how how many pointers there are to our internal life. My two applications for you to consider, one is a don't, one is a do. Here's the don't. Don't forget to remember God in good times. Don't forget to remember. I know it's a little wordy, but that's how it sort of plays out in our experience. It's not just remember God in good times. It's don't forget to remember Mark Buchanan says, ease is the breeding ground for complacency and mediocrity. Good times often have a spiritually numbing effect. Think about Israel. Remember how often they forgot God when material blessing and comfort and safety uh, was, was present in their community? We, we, we tend to, to think of these kinds of things. I'm under huge finals deadlines. I'm cramped for time. Once I have an abundant summertime of time, then I will dot, dot, dot in my spiritual walk. What happens when we get an abundance of time? Not always what we envision. How about this? Oh, I'm, I'm really crazy tight on finances. Once I get more settled and get this second job and, and get this nest egg laid up, then I will dot, dot, dot. What happens is this, that the more we earn, oftentimes what? The more we want to earn. We never stop and ask, when is it enough? How often abundance of time, money, health, happiness actually lead us to forgetting God rather than seeking God even more. So the caution of those of you who you're in a summertime of the soul, enjoy the good things of God guilt-free. We have an abundant feasting God. Think about the first miracle Jesus did. What did he do? Water into wine. Why? For the sole purpose of keeping the party going. Right? That's the God we serve. That's why we're drinking Slurpees in church today. But caution your heart. Don't forget to remember God. You're sitting in church here quite possibly to help you do that. And that's a good marker. Here's the... uh, Oh, one more quote. This is gold. Seek to cultivate a buoyant joyous sense of the crowded kindness of God in your daily life. The crowded kindness of God in your daily life. Don't you love that? I read this a while ago, and that phrase right there is what stuck with me. I said, God, tune my heart to see your grace. It's everywhere. So in summertime, really grab onto those. All right, here's the do. Do is to pray a prayer. And by the way, the band, you guys can come on up. Pray a prayer this summer. Jesus taught us to pray. He also said this, you have not because you ask not. Some of you wonder, God, who are you? What are you like? That's a great question to ask. Ask that question and then read the Lord's Prayer. Think about this. Our Father in heaven, our, just the word our. In fact, here's a spiritual discipline that some of you practice, some of you may learn and try out this summer. Open your Bible, go to a key passage of Scripture, and just pray and think over each word. And make your way slowly through that stanza, that sentence, those few words, and linger over them a little bit. 
You know what our, in our father prayer has to do? It asks this question. How small is our God? Some people think that God fits just in their little world and their little problems and their little concerns. And our is collective, right? It changes the equation on what we're thinking about. It teaches us our and us language and it replaces I and me. How about father? The word father maybe challenges this. How close is your God? Jesus saying our father was revolutionary. We've probably heard this so many times that we forget to marvel at the fact that we call almighty God father. God may have grown distant to you, unknowable, immensely powerful, but he's not your shepherd. You're not rejoicing at the intimacy Just the word father might bring that back. And lastly, in heaven. In heaven, ask this question, how big is my God? Heaven isn't just some faraway distant place like Florida where it's warm and sunny. Heaven represents the control center of the whole universe. Our father in heaven means that in Christ we have access to this wonderful maker in every season of life. Doesn't that shape our prayer when we say, God, you're in heaven. You're on your throne right now. I rest in that. I rest in the shadow, the comfort of that. And yet summertime finds us at rest, but also striving up a mountain. So I would say this, rest in the comfort of God being in heaven, but also find joy in striving hard in summertime with exuberant energy. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the Psalms. I thank you how just to get our heads around the idea that through the centuries, you have used these songs to stand the test of time to comfort to encourage to rebuke to draw together to remind us not to forget you god i pray it would have the same effect this summer on our lives in jesus name amen